0: This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, is sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, a leading Australian corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Focused on your vision, Barclay Pierce specializes in making it a successful reality. Hello everyone and welcome to Stock Insiders with me, Aureole Morrison. Now today we're talking to the CEO of Biogene, which is essentially an ag tech company working on new insecticides. Now Biogene has a market cap of close to $30 million. It's listed in Australia. The ASX code, if you want to take a look, is BGT. I'm joined now by Richard Jagger. Richard, great to have you with us. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Great to be here, Aurel.
0: Now, Richard, you've got a really interesting story, but when you talk about your journey with BioGene, you started as a non-exec, um, which seems to indicate you saw a great opportunity for you to then come on as CEO.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good observation. It was, it was a great opportunity to see the workings of the company, um, have a really good, close look at the technology, understand the potential, which gave me great confidence to be able to move forward into the CEO role.
0: So when you came on as as a non-exec direct before that, what was it that attracted you to the, to the company? Yes,
1: yeah, so I've, I, I was working in with another a, a large um, ag company actually at the time, which was kind of more of my history. And I was approached by people connected to the company to, uh, first of all, just have a conversation with people about um, the applicability of the technology in agriculture and what I thought, because a lot of my background relates to commercialization of new technology in ag. And so, you know, long story short, I had a chat to the people. I was then invited to join the board, um, which I was very happy to do. And, you know, through the process, um, there was an opportunity for the current CEO, Robert Klupaks, to take a a different position and step back into a non-exec role and for me to swap into that position. So Robert's still with us today, uh, in fact, as our chairman. Um, uh, So it's kind of great to have that continuity of us changing roles, but, uh, um, you know, still being involved in the company.
0: You know, you've got a really interesting background, Richard, because you talked about ag tech, of course, which you have been in um, for a long time. You've been in sustainable technology as well. But I'm pretty, I'm really actually interested to find out about your your writing. You're a writer. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what do they say? Jack of all trades, master of none. Um, <laughs> I, I took a sabbatical for a while. I worked with Monsanto for about twenty years, um, doing some great things in technology and having. The privilege really to work with some amazing uh, emerging technologies and help launch those with some great people. Um, but took a break after that and I had always been interested in writing and of course always been interested in technology. So I managed to marry the two together and create some uh, some thrillers. I call them aeroplane trash because they're great things you know, that you could read on the plane, pick up at the airport and um, you know hopefully page turner and something that can grab your attention while you're sitting in an airport but it was a lot of fun doing I really enjoyed the process.
0: Oh, I'm just going to have to go and find those books now Richard and uh, and, and I'll, I'll give you my thoughts Thank if you'd you. like. <laughs> Perhaps the next time we get on a plane and hopefully, uh, hopefully the borders are going to open. Sometime. Hopefully very soon yes. Now let's talk about um, the company itself because you've made a couple of really interesting comments that I wanted to make on. And one was that, as an industry, as the overall industry, and when we're talking about ag tech, um, you said that you're moving towards a safer or what you call a softer chemistry. Now, what exactly does that mean?
1: Yeah, very good point. Uh, when we kind of talk about softer chemistry, it, it is looking at um, at chemistry itself, but also techniques that have um, less impact on it on the environment and the biosphere Um, you know a lot of chemistry that we've used in the past has been non-selective if you like and it knocks out kind of everything that it comes into contact with it can be very long lasting which may not be required in some circumstances and of course could have a very tough toxic profile and and over time we've lost a lot of chemistry because of the concerns about the safety aspect and the toxicology of that chemistry so, you know, one of the great attributes of the chemistry we're looking at is that it's got a very good safety profile. And, and that's really important to us because we want to contribute to a step change in the industry about how we incorporate new products that are more beneficial and work better than the products in the past and hopefully don't have any adverse effects, if you like. So we're we're kind of constantly trying to move the dial towards in this case, better insect control, better interaction with the environment, better interaction with other technologies that also work to control insects and ultimately less impact on the environment.
0: So, so overall, I mean, you're working on, you know, speaking quite broadly in sector science. Um, And from the research that I've done, we're seeing pest resistance rise in Australia um, actually quite quickly. Just how big a problem is this that you're trying to solve?
1: Yeah, resistance is a huge problem globally. Um industry itself actually classifies all the chemistry that we use by its mode of action. That is how it works at controlling the pests. And the reason we focus on that is because um, if we overuse a certain chemistry and a certain mode of action, we actually put on pressure to develop resistance. We're selecting for resistance traits. And so we're trying to make everyone aware of uh, rotating chemistry or rotating in particular different modes of action so we can reduce that opportunity. But since about the 1940s, we've only developed uh, 30 classes of, mo- of chemistry based on mode of action. And we've lost most of those due to either resistance or through the concern about toxicity and safety profiles that we were talking about before. So we really rely on just a, a handful of products now or classes of chemistry to do the heavy lifting on controlling insects that impact our food production, fibre production, Uh, and public health, you know, controlling vectors that spread disease, for example. So only having a handful of those, as you can imagine, puts even more pressure on those existing products and overuse and potential selection for resistance. So it's really an amazing opportunity to identify a new mode of action or a class with a new mode of action that we've done that can be introduced to the process to firstly control pests that are resistant to other chemistry, but also to help reduce the onset of future resistance to current chemistry and future chemistry as well.
0: well that's, a, that's a big problem that you're, tr- that you're trying to solve. How close are you to solving it?
1: Well, we've, we've uh, demonstrated the, the value of the technology. In the last four years that we've listed, uh, a lot of research has gone into uh, understanding that mode of action and we've identified that. And then also demonstrating directly our ability to control populations of pests that are resistant to other chemistry by doing direct comparisons. And so we know that the products work. Uh, our safety data to date is, is really strong, and obviously there's more work to do before we get registration, but we've got a pretty uh, good handle on uh, the safety aspects of the technology, particularly to what we call beneficial insects um, and and the most Widely known of those would be bees, of course, and bees, everybody now is aware of their importance for pollination. Um, And we've got a very, very good safety profile versus a lot of the competitive products on the market, which means we can have the range of use of technology like ours that, uh, that could be in environments where bees and other beneficial insects may also be present.
0: So let's talk about some of the applications. Um, in the grain storage market, I mean, this is a market that you're looking in. Um, I saw some numbers recently that show that overall, and we're talking about the global stored grain protectant market, that's expected to reach over $900 million by 2026. So that's that's not a very long time away. It's growing at a very fast annual growth rate. Right. Um, how How um, substantial will you be able to be in this market?
1: Well, this is another uh, a particular application that suffers from a number of uh, quite resistant pests. Uh, and, and as you can imagine, over time, you know, we move grain around the world. These pests uh, are common to all of all geographies around the world. So mm-hmm. there are issues around the world. Some areas are um, a lot more prevalent, obviously, um, but it's an issue that occurs around the world. And them being particularly uh, resistant to current chemistry, uh, we run the risk of um, outbreaks in our storage facilities whether they be silos or storage bags or tarps on farm. And if you get an outbreak and we can't control it because they're resistant to current chemistry, then obviously you get um, issues in a number of ways firstly damage to the current to that to that grain that's in storage which will reduce the value of it but also, The presence of uh, even dead insects, but particularly live insects, which is a a big issue when we're exporting grain uh, and the tolerance is is essentially zero for for any grain that has live insects and it would end up getting turned around. So that has big implications for uh, the value of that shipment, but also um, the reputation of our industry here in Australia, but of course, other markets around the world. So it's an ongoing problem with, um, with, again, running out of solutions. And we've been doing some great work in that area with some great scientists up at the uh, Queensland Department of Ag and Fisheries who have got a lot of expertise in these particular pests. And they've been able to do some great studies and some field tests of late that demonstrate the applicability of our technology to that market.
0: Mm. Now there's other applications that you're looking at as well. Um, consumer applications, let's talk about those because there's a big market there as well.
1: Yeah, it's a huge um, component. It's you know, yeah well let's say it's a significant component of the overall use of insecticides globally. Um, and of course imagine things like household fly sprays, personal repellents, you know um, garden pests, etc, are all important. Um, applications for insecticides, and and are uh, you know it's a unique market in in itself. You know we were fortunate um, to be able to announce about a month ago now a partnership with uh, Evergreen Garden Care, which uh, is very big in Europe and here in Australia, New Zealand, with which ma- with major brands that I'm sure everyone would be aware of, like um, Scotts, Miracle Grow, Osmocote, etc. So big players in that market, and they've been uh, evaluating our technology for 12 months or so now and saw the potential uh, in using our new products in a number of their end-use products and and creating new ones um, and opening up that market further for them. So uh, we're delighted to be able to do a commercial agreement with them that starts with a couple of initial applications with the opportunity to continue to grow that as we co-develop some uh, new applications that fit into that consumer market.
0: So what does your path to commercialisation actually look like, Richard, from where you are right now?
1: Yeah, so a very big part of our strategy is to be working with major players in the market um, and working with them to identify opportunities within their areas of expertise where our technology can solve problems within their portfolio, which might be, you know, older chemistry starting to fail, concerns about chemistry needing to be retired because of safety aspects, or just wanting to open up new market opportunities for them. So working with people who are experts in their field already gives us great scope to expand into the markets and, and a lot of markets quite quickly. You know, Obviously they have expertise in uh, marketing, in formulations, in technical support, et cetera, in the markets that they're already in. And you know, for us to try and replicate that would be very, very difficult. And then we'd be competing with them anyway. So, the strategy of working with uh, large corporations that are expertise have expertise in their areas is is really important. And I think, you know, the announcement with Evergreen is a great example of that. And we've also recently talked about a company in the US called Clark Mosquito Control that work in um, in controlling mosquitoes in urban environments and spreading disease. So we've seen some already seen some great uh, validation of that model and excitingly for us um, some third parties coming in and under their own evaluation seeing the potential of our technology and wanting to move forward in um, creating end-use products for the market.
0: So where does your partnership with the University of Florida come into this?
1: So they've got some great expertise in flying insects and we've been talking in particular about uh, flies and um, you know to a small extent mosquitoes but they've got some great access to Resistant populations of houseflies, and of course, that's a, a major market of household sprays. And flying uh, pests like houseflies can become quite resistant to the current chemistries we use, uh, and therefore we see, you know, reduced efficacy and control of those pests. So we've been working with them because of their particular expertise in that area uh, to develop some programs that show the potential of our um, technology in a number of applications that would work at controlling flying insects. Mm,
0: Okay. Now, if we talk a little bit about the finance side of things here, Richard, um, you've just completed a capital raise. Um, Back in June, you look at your figures from then, you were debt free. Um, What's your balance sheet looking like now? And what are you planning on using those funds for?
1: Yes, well, I I think our balance sheet is really healthy. And and we've been very careful with our money going forward. And we've utilised a lot of our partners and potential partners' reserves to undertake a lot of studies that we need to get us to this point. So with our agreements with um, Evergreen and, and our relationship with Clark and others, we have commitments now to move forward on the registration of our active ingredients. And that's kind of the uh, the largest kind of cost component of our business. It's certainly not major in the scheme of things certainly compared to pharmaceuticals, for example, but there's, there's costs involved in doing um, toxicology studies in particular that demonstrate the safety profile and the usability of our technology for the markets that we're moving towards. And our commitment is to get those actives registered, which gives us great value as a company and provides value to our partners for them to be able to produce end-use products that can be sold in the market. So we'll use our funds that we've captured in this recent capital raise to um, to be able to pull the trigger on some of those major studies because we have to have the funds committed for some of the longer-term ones at the beginning. And it gives us great flexibility then to continue to be able to do the work we want to do, some kind of internally funded efficacy studies to look at new market opportunities to add to the ones that we've got now and keep the, uh, the business moving forward and, and adding value um, for our stakeholders.
0: And how often do you have to do these, um, uh, this kind of research? Um, does it stand that if you do it in Australia, it, is, it does hold for the rest of the world or wherever else you're going to sell your products or do you have to do it country by country?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. You you have to do the registrations, country or or region by region, depending how each of those are set up. But we do have a harmonised system globally, which is great because it means the majority of the data we collect towards a a registration enabling package can be used in other jurisdictions. Uh, We often have to repeat or, or do some environmental studies because different geographies obviously have different environmental conditions but the majority of the work we do can be used around the world. And of course, that makes it viable for us to um, reach out to as many markets as we can and uh, offer new technology to the end users in those areas.
0: And as you stand right now, where do you think your biggest market will be in five years' time?
1: Well, I guess we'd we'd have to look at where our, our first opportunities have come from. and And you know if we look at evergreen and we look at Clark um, in particular about mosquito control, they will most likely be the first ones you know first cabs off the rank because of the the stage we're at with those two companies. but we are looking at you know other areas within crop protection uh, animal health, for example, is another great area that we're looking at as well, and talking to potential commercial partners about that and you know, we can run programs in parallel with what we're doing in the areas of consumer and you know, alongside of consumer and um, public health, uh, you know, but but we're perhaps not as advanced in those areas as we are in, in consumer and in vector control. So I suspect um, our first kind of revenues will come from those particular areas, but we'll have that opportunity to continue to add to our platform of those uh, applications as we keep moving forward.
0: Mm. Richard, you've got a great journey ahead of you and you've obviously come a-, a long way. I'm very much looking forward to speaking to you again in a few months' time and see seeing where you're at. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us today.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure, Oriel. Always like talking about the story and um, uh, thanks for your time today too.
0: And thanks to all our listeners. Also, unfortunately, that is all we have time for, but we'll see you next time with more Stock Insiders. I'm Oriel Morrison. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, was sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, Australia's leading corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Barclay Pierce Capital provides specialized corporate advisory and equities trading services to privately owned businesses, small to medium sized public and ASX listed companies.